Well, listen, I, I, uh, I have to alert you to something else. I don't know if you've picked up on many subtle clues, um, such as the announcement of the turkey baskets. Uh, this afternoon, we will deliver turkey baskets to Geneva Mobile Home Park, the Turkey Bowl, which is this Saturday. Um, the announcement that I didn't see, which was probably there, but uh, the last day for poinsettias is today or tomorrow. Um, all these hints kind of tell us that we're, we, we've approached something. You know, we're on the verge of something, something that comes around one time a year. Uh, if you remember, I said it last year, it's my favorite time of the year, uh, partially because I I, you know, I'm kind of a Toys R Us kid. I, I, I'm, I'm not planning on growing up too much anytime soon, but uh, it is the holiday season. And uh, that means it, it all kicks off this Thursday for us in the Keller family and your family with a, a, a little thing called Thanksgiving. And if you have spent any time in the church, you know that uh, since I am a pastor, I have a yearly ritual today that I have to perform for you. And the yearly ritual is when um, I wheel out the word Thanksgiving. This is what we're doing during this time. I wheel it out, and uh, and to to your shock and amazement, I, I pull out a, a literal you know literary saw and I saw the word in half, right? And then I separate the two halves of the words Thanksgiving, and then I rearrange the words. Okay, pointing you to the fact that Thanksgiving is all about giving thanks. Amen. So, uh, let's do that, okay? Um, Thanksgiving, by its very nature, um, by its very name, calls the body of Jesus Christ to do something. And it is to celebrate the life that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And this is an opportunity, a deep opportunity to lean into this and just rejoice in what God has done, the life we have. And you might say, well, Okay, let's be a little more specific than that. What life are we talking about? And I have a great illustration, okay, to get us started on the life God has given us. I have wall number one, and I have wall number two. John 10.10, where Jesus says to us, I have come that they, and you can go ahead and personalize the they, I have come that you might have life and have life to the full or life abundantly. And we hear that word, or those words as, as the church, and we know what Jesus is talking about, right? We know that at least in part, he is talking about salvation. That when you and I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, we are exhumed, right? You know, uh, when, when you exhume a body, you dig it up. We are, we are exhumed from spiritual death, and we are raised up to spiritual life. And that's not for five minutes. You know, it's not till the sun goes down. We are raised to life forever. But here's the thing. We know Jesus is talking about more than salvation, more than a moment of salvation. We know that he's talking about more than just a status change here. Jesus is not only offering us life. He is offering us a life a brand new life, a day after day. And I'm gonna go ahead and, and just be really bad this morning. I'm gonna steal a couple of lines from my wife's talk about life this week. This is from Tuesday night, okay? I stole this from my wife. Ripped it off, all right? Um, she, she told the ladies this week, what Jesus is offering us in John 10, 10 is life in great quantity. Life 
uh, that is more than adequate, is oversufficient. And then she discovered a new word. I didn't even know this word existed. The word is super added, okay? A, a, a super added life to move us from mere existence, right? And getting by to vivacity. And I tell you one thing, we hear that and we do amen, right? But we gotta be real careful as Americans to understand what Jesus means here because th there's a part of my flesh that hears that, oh, life and life abundantly, life to the full. You know, I, I mean, if we're not careful, we can think, you know what that means? Jesus, I'm moving up to the big time, you know? I mean, like the Jeffersons to a deluxe apartment in the sky, you know? No more, I mean, no more hassles, easy street, no more scratching and surviving. Yes, I ripped that off of Good Times, the 70s show, but man, th that's what I'm all about. But I think we need to be very careful as we hear these words from Jesus to understand what he is talking about. What does Jesus mean when he says, I have come to give you a full life? Man, I've come to take what you have known before you knew me and just make it abundant. I've, I've come to change it. I, you, will, you will have a new definition of living when I get done with you. What does he mean by that? Well, let's go back into John 10 and see if he tells us. Verses 1 through 5. Truly I tell you, says Jesus, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the door for him and uh, he, he enters and he calls his sheep. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Okay, here in John 10, Jesus is giving someone a lesson, all right, about shepherds and sheep. So let's go ahead and start with sheep. Um, I don't know what your opinion of sheep is, um, but the fact re facts remain when it comes to sheep that sheep were not built with a whole lot of speed, a whole lot of strength, or a whole lot of smarts, all right? By the way, I was preaching a sermon one time, uh, not, not exactly on this, but, but I mentioned this, and I had one guy in the, in, the, in the church who got really offended and said, you know what, Steve, I take real exception with you. I've got some sheep in, you know, in, in, in my backyard, and I'm telling you, they are some of the most brilliant characters I've ever known. We had another guy in the church who was listening to it, and this guy was actually like a shepherd, and he, he let us finish the conversation. He walked up and he said, Steve, I just want you to know something. I'm glad that guy loves his sheep the way he does, but I've got a flock of like hundreds of sheep. They're some of the dumbest things you have ever seen in your life. So she, sheep are, are, you know, there's not much to a sheep, right? Um, when it comes to defensive capabilities, sheep have the defensive abilities of like a cotton ball, right? Or a marshmallow, which is really fitting because that's what they look like, right? Um, not a whole lot to them. And sheep are just helpless, they're just helpless creatures. In fact, I told my Sunday school class today, I think that's why sheep, you know, you never see a solo act as a sheep. You know, they always come in flocks, right? I mean, they, they always come in pairs. I mean, we even took the S away from sheep. We don't even pluralize them like that because it's like, you know, sheep one or sheep of that, they, they just come together. Sheep belong in flocks. But even as a flock, 
Sheep are just sad acts for the most part. As a flock, they cannot thrive. As a flock, honestly, they can't even survive. Sheep are utterly dependent on something, aren't they? Actually, someone. Y'all go ahead and say it. You all know the answer. What are sheep dependent on? A shepherd. For what? For everything, right? Food, shelter, safety. Here's the point, all right? For sheep, life is with the shepherd. The only shot they got at life is the shepherd. And in fact, you take away the shepherd, what's going to happen to the sheep? Yeah, you said death, I said lamb chops. Same thing, all right? I mean, sheep are gone without a shepherd. And and see, Jesus here goes in to tell us a little bit about the daily life of the shepherd. The sheep begin um, every day here in in a sheep pen, right? If they're not out in the open field like they were on the night Christ was born, but typically they, they start off the day in a sheep pen. And the shepherd comes for them every day. He comes for them. He comes to his flock, to his sheep, and he does something. He calls out to them, and something really wonderful happens to the sheep, all right? You've all had this experience. Um, Say you're in this part of the hall, and, and somebody's coming around the hall, and before you see them or know they're there, you hear their voice, right? And before you even see him, you go, I know exactly who that is. Here comes Will Bond, right? Here comes Neil. I know that voice anywhere. That's what it's like for the sheep. They hear the tone, uh, the sound. They know that voice. But there's something even more precious here for the shepherd and the sheep. He calls them out by name. I don't know if you've ever known a shepherd, and I've tested this like three times. Talk to someone who is a shepherd. Any good shepherd actually does this. They name their sheep. They do. They name them. They're personalized here. And so for the sheep, there's just this beautiful dynamic, you know, that he calls out to the flock. The flock really matters, but he calls out to every individual. Every individual matters. This is how it is when it comes to shepherd and sheep. It's all about the flock. It's all about the single sheep. It's kind of good for a helpless group of creatures. This is how they're loved. So their name gets called, and then they hear that shepherd's voice calling them, and they leave the pen, Jesus says, following the shepherd. Get that, okay? So the shepherd doesn't pinch the sheep forward, right? You know, he doesn't push them, he doesn't pull them, he doesn't beat them, he doesn't drive them. He leads them. Their shepherd goes before them, and holding on to the context of this passage, you know how he's leading them? with his voice. He's just speaking to them as they go down the road, protecting them, providing for them, and it's just just a beautiful thing as they travel. And then there's one more fact about sheep that Jesus throws in, and it's that real sheep will not follow anybody else but a shepherd's voice. I've checked that one out as well. Anybody else but the shepherd, the sheep won't follow. They will stand there, they will bolt, they'll, but they, they're not moving. Good luck moving a herd of sheep if you're not their shepherd, if they don't belong to you. So now you hear all that, and if this is the first time you've heard all that, you have a reaction that the crowd that was listening to Jesus had, which is, that's a great lesson about shepherds and sheep, you know? And if I was going into like veterinarian school, or, you know, if I was going to, if I had aspirations to be a shepherd, this would be great. 
but what in the world is this doing in my Bible? I mean, it's random. And, and the same thing is true for Jesus' audience. If, if you look at the end of nine, he's just healed a blind man. He's explained to that blind man who he is. He's offered him salvation. The Pharisees jump in, right? Because they're kind of like the religious thugs here in the New Testament. They do their thing. And then Jesus just, hey, I tell you, shepherds and sheep, everybody's lost. So what in the world does this really great but seemingly meaningless uh, lesson have to do with anything? Good question, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and are robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out. They will find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and life to the full. Now, you got it, right? Why in the world did Jesus go into this random lesson about sheep and shepherd? Because it doesn't make sense. But as we go into seven, suddenly we realize Jesus can't be talking about literal sheep. There's no way it's possible. Why? Because he just called himself the gate, which makes all of this, and most of you already knew this already, it's an allegory. Everything Jesus has mentioned here represents something else, like the gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. The sheep come in through me, and they are saved. They come in, and they go out. And what Jesus is talking about here, obviously, is he's talking about salvation. We come into the sheep pen, into God's family, into, the, into God's flock through Jesus Christ. And when we come in, right, what happens? Suddenly, we have the ability to come in and go out. There is a new freedom in our lives because Jesus has stepped in. And I love this story. I love this analogy, this allegory, because we find exactly what Jesus is talking about here. We find green pasture. We find rest. We find safety. And all of that we kind of breaks that tension. Who are the sheep in this passage? We are, yeah, I mean, pointing at you for effect, we are the sheep. We can be the sheep at least if we go through the gate, if we enter through Jesus Christ. And here during this holiday season, I know people slip into church now and then. I think it's awesome. You're so welcome here. But I want you to know this. When it comes to eternal life, there are a lot of folks who make a lot of claims. You know, I, uh, I, I'm a child of God. I'm in the flock of God. I'm part of the family. And, and I'll tell you why. Because I go to church. Because I participate in programs. You know, uh, I, I, I'm a child of God because I'm a good person. I'm morally upright. You know, I'm, I'm good to folks. I'm good to my family. I, you know, I, I'm a good citizen. I even read the Bible sometimes. I pray. I serve people. And listen to me. All of that, all of that, all of that's wonderful. All of that's good. And all of that might be enough to sway a courtroom jury in your favor in the end. You know, it really might. If we stack the deck, you know, a, a, a jury of your peers might go, hey, that's really good. You know what? Let him in. But here's the thing. In the kingdom of heaven, the one who rules it, God is a king. He is a sovereign. He is a monarch. The word of God tells us he is the judge. 
And this king and this judge, he has decreed that there is salvation and it is a one name salvation. This salvation, there is no other salvation under heaven and earth than through Jesus Christ. He is our gate. He and he alone is our salvation. And so when we accept him as Lord and Savior, we become one of God's sheep. We become one of his flock. We join the family. The point is this, Jesus Christ must first be our gate before he can be anything else. He's got to be the gate first. But see, here's the beautiful thing, okay? We do this, right? We accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then we walk through him, the gate. We get into this green pasture, right? This new spiritual life. Suddenly, we discover Jesus is something else. He's not just a gate. He's also a shepherd. Jesus Christ is our shepherd. He says it in 11 and 14. He, he tells us that he is our shepherd, but not just our shepherd or a shepherd. He is the good shepherd. That's an exclusive title. It's talking about his character, his uniqueness, and he is just like the shepherd that we meet here. You know, the only one that we as sheep can follow. Jesus is the only one, the only one that we are to follow. He knows us. He calls us by name. Just like the parable, the allegory says, he goes before us in life. You know, here's an interesting dynamic about Jesus, and I want you to test this one. He will never ask you to do something that he hasn't already gone ahead of you and done before you got there. You know, he calls us to die to ourselves. Man, he's done it. He calls you to love your enemies. He's done it. He calls us to forgive. Everything this shepherd calls these sheep to do, he's gone before us. He's led us there. He's been this example. And I'll tell you where he's taken us is to green pastures. And y'all, the reason Jesus can do this is pretty obvious. It is because he is God. And nobody else is God. Everyone who came before Jesus Christ, and if y'all want to do a historical study, there, there is just a litany, right, of all these people who came before. I'm your salvation. Hey, follow me, and here it is. Jesus goes ahead and points out um, in verse 12 and even before that, anybody else who comes claiming to be the way, the truth, and the life, they are one of three things. And he uses the words here. Number one, they are an imposter. Okay, so Dorothy, go ahead and pull the curtain back. There's a little man behind it. it. Jesus Christ is the only one. Anyone else is an imposter. Or they're a thief. Anyone else claiming to be who he is, they are a thief. What does a thief do? A thief takes. They have not come to give you anything. They've come to take something, though. And when they're done, they'll clean you out. Or they're a hireling. And a hireling is perhaps the most tragic because a hireling shows up, you know, and they look the part, they sound the part, you know, they can maneuver well religiously. But what happens to an a, a, a hireling when the going gets tough? You know, go ahead and add your uh, Mel Blanks, Looney Tunes, cartoon impressions. It's, they're gone. I mean, a hireling is gone. But see, the other thing about Jesus Christ is that he is the only one who is worthy of our devotion our affection, our obedience. No one else is worthy for us to follow. 
And you might say, well, why? Well, it's in here because nobody else has ever demonstrated the kind of love for us that Jesus has. No one has gone to the extremes he has to rescue sheep, to, to give us the life he promises. He says it in verse 11. He says it in verse 15. You can finish it, right? I, I am the good shepherd who does what? Lays down his life for the sheep. And what's so powerful about this use of that, as Jesus says that in John 10, 10, is, is he, he uses a beautiful Greek tense here. This is the only Greek I'll give you today, okay? But he, he speaks this in present active indicative, okay? Now, that's a, tent, a tense that means this. As Jesus is saying it, what he's saying is, I'm doing this right now before your eyes. I am here to fulfill this right now at this moment and in the immediate future. And so what Jesus is doing in John 10 is he's saying, man, I'm laying down my life for the sheep. He is pointing, he is pointing to something that is, he's already begun, but it is so close. He is just eight, nine chapters away from the cross. He's gonna be arrested, he's gonna be tried, he's gonna be executed, he is going to die and then be resurrected. And y'all never miss this, Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ died for me. He died so that we could live. He died so that these would not just be, you know, good poetic words that we read and go, you know what, that makes me feel good on a dark day. Or, oh, you know, that makes great prose or poetry. Absolutely not. Jesus died that we might live. Man. And listen, Christians, not just spiritually exist. Not just get by, you know, tread water until, oh, somehow heaven, you know, comes our way. Jesus didn't die for that reason. But it's also not a life like the Jeffersons. He didn't die to, you know, and, and some of us have, have some, a lot of trappings of life. You know, we kind of do feel like this is our theme song, you know. Well, I'm moving on up to the, you know, sometimes it feels like that. But Jesus Christ is offering us so much more. So much more with full life. A life where we are led by Jesus. A life where we are fed by Jesus Christ. A life where we hear his voice. A life where we follow his spirit's leading. A life, and I want you to hear this one, of spiritual safety. In the midst of this world's madness, in the midst of these crazy headlines where every Facebook page has got the, the flag of France up right now, in the midst of all of that, the children of God are safe. We're secure. We are protected by our shepherd. And then here's another good one, all right? As you enter into the holiday season, where we start singing about, you know, walking through a winter wonderland, and by the time we're halfway through, we're like, oh my gosh, Lord, end this thing called the holidays. But in the midst of this world's franticness, in the midst of this world's fatigue, our shepherd has also come to give us rest, soul rest, a, a rest, we talked about it in Sunday school today, for the few that were there, a rest where we, are, we can just be still and know that he is God. So today, I want you to take that in, okay? And I want you to start somewhere. As you hear all of this about this shepherd, all right, and about the life he's offered, I want you to understand every single one of you, okay? Forget the collective. Forget the group. Forget the rest of the flock. You. I want you to know all of this 
is for you and you and you. It is all for you as an individual. But know this as well. As that sinks in and you're like, oh man, it's so good to be a sheep. You can also turn to your left and you can turn to your right and know that it's, all about, it's also about us. This is all about us as a family, as a flock. Everything that is promised is ours as a people. And then you can look outside the door. You can look outside the window. And then I want you to realize something else. This is not only just for us. Jesus says this in, in verse 16. He gives us some critical information about the flock because, you know, we kind of have a tendency to look around and go, yep, this is it, baby. Here we are, the chosen few. Jesus says this, verse 16, I have other sheep that are not yet of the sheep pen. I must bring them. They too will hear, listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. We need to realize Jesus is still growing his flock. You know, he's still taking role, isn't he, Barry? Still calling names. He is still doing this. He is bringing lost sheep home. But here's kind of the cool thing about him. You know, a, a literal flock, pretty much what you see any given day, that's about all they do. But with the flock of God, he uses the sheep to reach other sheep. And I just think that's amazing. We are the ones he uses to reach this lost world. And so today, after all this information, we end up with a few basic questions, all right? Just, just four basic questions. First question is this, have you, have you responded? Have you responded to the one true shepherd who speaks your name? Have you? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ? The Bible makes this very simple. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of, son of God. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Have you done that? That is salvation. I'll tell you this about Scripture. Today is the day of salvation. We read that, okay? And we go, okay, which, which day is he talking about? You know, which today? Every day. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't, don't wait for tomorrow. Jump in because, baby, this life is kicking. It is happening. It's here right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Say yes to Jesus Christ. You talk about a holiday. You talk about a celebration, you know, celebrate good times. Come on. This is it. Jesus. Man, I know. You know what? I, I used to party before I met him. I, that, I, that wasn't partying, man. This is partying. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Talk about some celebration. Woo. Okay. So we got that. Have we responded to, to his voice? Here's the other one. Okay. And I'll get a little personal. May make a couple people uncomfortable. Are we in the flock of God? Are we in the family of God? of God. Have we joined our lives with God's family for worship and ministry and service? Listen, I hear it all the time. I heard it all around the country when I traveled for, for three years. I even said it myself, you know, at the time when I was a little embittered and frustrated with the church. You know what? It can just be me and Jesus. I, I don't have to go to church. Listen to me, okay? Sounds really good, right? It, it doesn't work, all right? Been there, tried that. We need the fellowship. We need the prayer. Listen, we're so, solo sheep doesn't work, okay? Lamb chops, right? Remember that? We need the family of God. Together we are a flock. Maybe this church doesn't fit you. Find a church. It can be a home church. Join the family of God to really live. It's really important. 
okay? I don't care who writes something differently. I'll talk to them. All right. On a personal note, are we listening to God's voice daily? All right? I also told my Sunday school class uh, this today. I said, you know, um, we listen out for God's voice. God is always speaking to us. Are we getting still? Are we spending time with God? Are we in the word of God daily? Are we living a life of prayer? It's really important for sheep to hear the voice of their shepherd. I think a lot of times, you know, we'll say stuff like, man, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. You know, I I just feel frustrated. I feel like God is absent. I guarantee it's connected to prayer life. You know, time in the word, we really need it. And I just encourage you as a shepherd, feed flock, feed in Jesus' name. Worship uh, the word of God, prayer, feed. And finally, you knew I was going to do this because this is kind of my thing. Are we following the shepherd on his great mission? He's rescuing sheep. The great commission for the flock of God. Are we on that mission? So turn all of that over in your heart and mind. And understand this too about John 10. This wasn't just kind of a thing that Jesus got hot about one day and thought, you know, I really haven't covered this this very well. You know, I I need to talk about sheep. I need to call these people back. This wasn't just a one-time thing for Jesus. Believe it or not, this is Jesus' message from beginning to end in the Gospels. In fact, the greatest prayer... Okay, and you could argue me on this one because every prayer Jesus prays is great, I know. But, the, but the, 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 most, uh, the most celebrated prayer of Christ happens just a few chapters later in John 17. And this is where Jesus is about to be crucified. He's about to leave and he's got one big prayer for us, uh, the people of God. And he says, Lord, I pray this for my disciples and I pray this for, for all who will believe. Listen to what he prays. Does this not sound like John 10, 10? Verse 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 13, he prays, God, would you fill them first of all with joy? Joy is synonymous in the gospels with life. Jesus is very concerned here that we live fully. That, I mean, we are vibrant in faith. Jesus prays we'd have joy. Because I'm telling you, argue this if you will, but man, a joyful person is really alive, right? Right? I mean, he prays we'd have joy. God, fill them with joy. Verse 15, God, keep them safe from the evil one, right? As a flock, protection, praying for our protection. Verse 17, Lord, make them holy by your truth and teach them by your word. Here he's, again, green pastures, nourishment, feeding, cleanliness, uh, being clean. I'm sorry, I sound like a Boy Scout there. (laughs) Verses 20 through 21, and God, and this is really important, God, make them one. Unite them, just as you and I are one. As you are in me and I am in you, may they be one. The unity of the church of Jesus Christ is so important. It is so important. It's just vital that you and I come together that we really are one, one flock, one family. I mean, what has Jesus said? A house divided itself, a house divided against itself is gonna make a nice set of condos, right? No, it can't stand, okay? Shiloh talked about having a bad day, right? A, a bad morning. You know, it, it, in most practical terms, don't be anybody's bad morning, body of Christ. Pray for one another. Let's, let's remember we are soldiers. Let's not get caught in civilian affairs. Let's don't get petty, you know, let's don't beat each other up. Let's believe the very best. Oneness is vital. And that's why Paul won't let that go. He will not let oneness go throughout the whole New Testament. But Jesus prays it here.
And there's a reason. Because when we are one, the world comes to know the great shepherd. Unity, when the church is one, man, the ripple effect of our testimony and our witness, it just goes off the charts. Unity is vital in the church of Jesus Christ. So today, I just end with a couple of things. Number one, if you don't have a life, if you haven't gone through the gate, get a life, all right? Receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I appeal to you. If you have a life, right? We've accepted Jesus Christ, then flock, let's enter into the fullness of that life, the sweetness of that life, everything we talked about. And then finally, because some of y'all are going, you know what, now where's the Thanksgiving hook? Here it is. If we got life, and if we, as we're entering into the fullness of that, celebrate that life in Jesus' name. Man, this week, you got such an opportunity. You got so, we have such an opportunity to just look back and recall. You know, God, what have you done? Man, you did this, you did that in my life. Call it up. Look, remember what God has done in your life. And we also had the opportunity to look around. God, what are you doing right now? Look at what you're doing in my wife. Look at what you're doing in my kids. Look at what you're doing in our church. Father, look at all these ways you're growing me up and raising me up. And I'll tell you, this is the thing about Thanksgiving, all right? It's flu season, right? Nobody wants the flu? Well, Thanksgiving is a lot like the flu. It is an infection. Thanksgiving, man, it will, you, you, I tell you, you start praising God, thanking God for what he has done, man, suddenly your head goes up, your heart goes up, you know, one, you know, once you were trudging, man, next thing you know, you're river dancing or whatever it is you do, but I tell you, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is awesome, so celebrate, give thanks, be grateful, appreciate God, and just watch what happens, watch what happens, life and life to the full, this is our God, Amen. Woo! Amen. All right. Okay, Shiloh, you guys are going to come up. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a brief time of ministry, okay? So we'll call up the altar ministers. Listen, if we can pray with you about anything, we would love to do that, okay? We'd love to pray with you about this theme, anything in your life, salvation. Please let us pray with you. It is our privilege, all right? Um, I think we also might have a couple of uh, a words from the body. So we're, we'll do that during this time. People will be prayed for. You guys, uh, shall, you guy, you're gonna play a little bit. You'll hear a few folks encourage you just from the spirit. And uh, we'll close in a few minutes, all right? So let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. And Jesus, we love who you are. We love what you do. And Father, we just begin by acknowledging that we are sheep. We are sheep, Lord, regardless of talent or looks or uh, wealth, God, we're sheep. And we have a shepherd. We have a good shepherd, and it's you, Jesus. And so we just invite you in, even right now, to come and lead us. Father, sometimes we close our ears, Lord. Sometimes we go our own way. But Father, all of that, I thank you for just grace and forgiveness today. We just lean into that, God. And we invite the life of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to just come and love us this morning. We invite you to come and remind us this morning of all that you've done. Spirit of God, we, we invite you to empower us. And we've talked about healing. Lord, some of us just need healing. And there's such beautiful images of just the shepherd healing the sheep, rubbing salve upon them. Lord, would you come and heal broken hearts today? We invite you to be God in our lives.
There's never an issue of you being here to do something amazing. Lord, the issue's with us. So Father, we just say, God, deliver us from all issues. And just allow us in these moments to have open hands, open hearts, and even an expectancy that you want to do something beautiful right now. Holy Spirit, just come on and do that. We welcome you. You are God and we love you. In Christ's name. Come up for prayer if you need it. We'd love to pray for you.